welcome to the Line Cool Podcast. A tennis show presented by Hector and Toby. Hello and welcome to the Line Cool Podcast. Uh, I'm Toby. This here is my friend Hector. How you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm really good. Uh, another great two weeks in tennis, the championships, if you will. Yeah, you can. It was brilliant. I thoroughly enjoyed Wimbledon. It's a shame it's over. I felt a bit lost today, um, working from home and not having anything to do, uh, stuck on the TV to distract me. But uh, we were both there on that first Friday. We did, in fact, record some live reactions to the games we were watching on court two on that day, which we'll throw in um, towards the back end of this podcast. So stay tuned for that. Um, but Hector, just give me your general reflections on the tournament. Yeah, I, I th- honestly, I thought it was a brilliant... Um brilliant Wimbledon, you know, because I haven't actually watched that many Wimbledons all the way through and followed it all from the start and known a lot about the players. The first time I did was in 2019, is in like all the way through, like, you know, you watch as a casual tennis fan from home on the BBC, you watch the big names, all that going on, you know, the third one that I've followed as a, as a big fan. Um, I thought it was brilliant, actually. I thought there were some absolutely amazing matches. I mean, the women's was just... Uh, it was crazy, not expected at all, but the men's as expected as it's been in a long time. I think I felt like Novak was going to win it, but I think the way, the way he did, it was, it was really, really impressive. Yeah. I mean, for me, similar to what you said, it's probably as much Wimbledon as I've watched in one tournament. I thought personally, I thought the coverage on the BBC was fantastic, both on the TV and on the radio. I, I definitely listened to, a lot more radio coverage than I thought I would. I really in, in, enjoyed um, your friend David Law. He was brilliant um, <laughs> on, on on comms, and I thought the whole the whole BBC team was quality. Yeah, I mean there was just so much tennis to watch, and I was just lapping it up. I when it comes to Grand Slams, because they're the only ones that really provide great radio coverage. I absolutely love tennis radio. I discovered it, I think, a couple of years ago when I was when I was working and listening, and driving, working, doing anything. It's just so good. Sometimes I prefer it over TV. I know that sounds nuts, but the way they describe it, they're so, so talented. And they just, yeah, they, they make they make the game come alive and it's just really, really exciting. And they have a good chat as well, actually, I think, more so than on TV. Definitely similar sim- similar to the cricket in that sense. I'm a big fan of listening to the radio commentary, Test Act Special for the cricket. It definitely, like you said, in some respects, is better than watching it on the telly. Um, as you as as you pointed towards earlier, Novak Djokovic won his twenty eighth straight game at Wimbledon, winning his fourth straight title, three sets to one victory over Nick Kyrgios. Congratulations to you! Congratulations to myself. Two brilliant predictions prior to the tournament. What, what can we say? What can we say? It's you know, what we do. you listen to us for predictions. It's what you come for as listeners. It's for that insight, that killer insight, and yet again the line call podcast has provided so yeah to everyone listening you guys are welcome yeah you really are you know it was it was a big pick we were bold yeah yeah really bold on that one i mean (laughs) at the start of the tournament it was a bit of a shame when you were seeing people having to pull out especially the likes of uh berrettini having to pull out because of covid that was a real shame um as well as well berrettini was a real kind of um contender the title I fought so that was a real I mean, change I had him in my final yeah absolutely so no it was a brilliant tournament I think what we'll do here in our recap today is that we're just going to go over 
some of our favorite games of the tournament, some players who impressed us, um, some players who perhaps did not have a great tournament. And then I think we'll round out the show by reflecting on our date when we're done talking about our experiences in and around the grounds at the in in court two and and um just give you an insight of what it was like as a as a tennis fan at the big show at, at Wimbledon. What should we start with, mate? Should we start with our favorite games of the tournament? Yeah, I think I mean I think that's what really impressed um this year. I think in every round there were crackers, absolute crackers, right from the start as well. It's it's difficult. It's difficult to narrow it down. It is. I was I was just going through the first round, um, just going back through the draw, and I was like, "Oh, that was a great game, wasn't it?" Oh, that was yeah, me too, that, me too. that was a really good game. I can't I can't uh, pick them all from the first round though. I'm looking I'm looking at all the scores now from yeah from the first round, and there's there's so many just absolutely nuts ones. So do you want to kick us off then? Kick us off with um, one of one of your games. Give us yeah, give us one. Um, so it's, it's gonna, it's gotta be, uh, grass court season favorite, Maxime Cressy, beating sixth seed Felix Auger Aliassime. I, this, this was what I was hoping for from, from Cressy. I think, you know, with, with his game on grass, I thought this is, you know, this is really what he should be doing. Something we alluded to in the preview as well, Don, who was on upset alert. I think that's a really, really difficult draw for uh, Felix Auger-Aliassime seen in that first round. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy to think that, like, an unseeded player, that someone who hasn't been any higher in the game is a career high now. It's not like he's got to the top 10 and then dropped out of it and he's still a threat. He He's a career higher and he's, he's still rising. And that, for the sixth seed, Felix Auger-Aliassime, that was... Yeah, that was dangerous. I think I think you called it, didn't you, in the um, preview preview pod? But I mean, I know, was talking to you. I was surprised. I, I expected Chrissy to win. I have to say, I expected Chrissy to win, and I was surprised to see him get knocked out in the following round by um, fellow oh, American Jack Sock. I mean, it's only the second time Sock's made it to the third round of a slam, and um, someone we actually saw when we were there on the day on the practice courts, head, he, heading around and. Mm. I, I was I, honestly I was really disappointed to see him lose out to to Sock in the second round, considering such such a such a massive win. It was in it was in four it was in four sets for Cressy, three tie breaks. He actually lost one of them, but I just thought his game was just on point and his 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 first serve, his second serve. I didn't think he played his best. I know I know that sounds kind of crazy because Felix is a great player on grass as well. You know, and, and he, he still won. He came up with some absolutely delicious, you know, half volleys on the serve and volley. And I think, I thought, I thought Felix played well as well, actually. But I just, that matchup was just popcorn from the start. For, for me, my game in the tournament, um, and if I'm honest, it's not even close, um, was that Saturday night, sit to pass against Kyrgios. <laughs> um, just for the whole you know, the whole package, the whole entertainment factor, that was really a game where um, tennis fans and non-tennis fans alike, we were both just enthralled by the matchup. It was a game where, you know, last game on centre court on, 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 on that Saturday night, or was it court, sorry, court one possibly. And I believe I mean, it was court one, yeah. Yeah, court one. And I was, I was due to go to the pub at eight o'clock. I ended up turning up an hour and a half late just because I couldn't leave because I really wanted to watch the end of that match. It was brilliant. And uh, I think it was Nick Kyrgios at both his best and and and, and his most frustrating. And, and he just really got under the skin. 
of um of Stefanos Sitsipas and uh the post match presses were brilliant as well. What's the Sitsipas yep. calling? Kiros evil and a, and a and a bully and he was you know the way Sitsipas was reacting was just ridiculous. I mean personally, I think he should have I think he should have got defaulted. You know, I, I, when, I agree. when he levered that ball into the stands, it bounced off the thing, hit that person in the head. Like, at no point did a professional athlete lose their head to the end where they hit the ball into the crowd like that. I think it's dangerous. And I think, I think Kyrgios made the point that if he had done that, he would have got the fault. And, and, and I truly think he would have done. So, yeah. um, I mean, but just from a pure entertainment factor, it was just brilliant. And it was just the way Nick got under Sitsipas' skin was just brilliant. It was like, he won both on the court and mentally and you know nick's obviously someone who who maybe was making headlines all two weeks and his first grand slam final absolutely brilliant for him and he actually at times played some really cracking tennis um but you know on on the theme of Kyrgios, and another great match again from round one was uh nick Kyrgios against paul job british wildcard paul job playing in only his fourth ever main tour event match I was close to picking that. He took Kyrgios probably the closest that anyone did, aside from when he reached Djokovic in the final, um, taking him to the fifth set and and forcing him to to serve out at the end. It was no, it was a that was a brilliant match. I, I remember just putting that on and thinking, oh, here we go, you know, be good experience to jump here. But he really Kyrgios worked really hard for that win, and and that and that from start to finish was a was a cracking five setter. Vera Davidovich Fakina against Vesely. Final set tiebreak. <laughs> he's already he's already had a warning. So it's match point nine seven to Vesely in the final set tiebreak, and then um, and then Fakina. I think he I think it was for ball, ball abuse. Yeah, it was for, it was for ball abuse, and he absolutely levers his ball at the stadium, and then he gets a warning and then a point penalty. Game set match. Imagine so he's so imagine. I don't know, he's, he's a player. Uh, I don't really enjoy watching. He, he's a I bit know, of a hot head, really, know. isn't he? And it's just he just he just comes across as quite bratty sometimes, in my opinion. And I think it's a trait a lot of young tennis players have, really, just because of of the nature of the sport and everything they go through as an as an, as an individual player in in an individual sport. But mm. yeah, there's certain players who just handle it in a a, a lot a classier fashion than he does. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I mean, it doesn't stop him from being great to watch, though. No, that's true. That's there was, me, I mean, for me anyway. You know, many other games. Like I, I, I could have picked as well. I mean, if if if, if we're still picking it in around the first round, you know, you can't forget our boy Carlos Alcaraz against Jan Jan Straff. Um, was an absolutely <laughs> ridiculous game, wasn't it? The way Alcaraz came back because he was someone who a lot of people were saying, you know, this is really not easy first round match for Alcaraz, someone who's just limited um, experience on the grass against Struff, who has got big scalps on the grass before, and Struff really pushed him with that kind of powerful hitting, and, and Alcaraz really had to had to work hard to, to work his way through that game, and I thought it was incredibly impressive to see Alcaraz come through that, even though he didn't, he didn't make it particularly far in the tournament. Um, I thought that match in particular was, was amazing, and um, there was a couple other games as well. I mean, there was the uh, Garin Dimonor game, where Garin came from two sets oh, that down was crazy. against a, you know, Dimonor. I mean, I was watching that game and it was just like Dimonor was cruising in the first couple of sets, but Garin was still playing some good tennis and he's not he's not particularly known for his grass court ability. You know, he's he's definitely known as more of a 
uh, a, a clay court specialist. So to, for him to show that kind of resolve and that um, mental ability to come back from from there, and you know he he was facing match points also. So um, that was a cracking game. And then lastly, I think I've also you can't not mention that Rafa Nadal Taylor Fritz game. I mean, Taylor yeah. Fritz must be absolutely kicking himself for, for not coming uh, through that. And obviously, it's such a shame that Nadal had to pull out. Um, but literally, I mean, he must have been such a broken man during that match. He had his dad, he had members of his box telling him to call it quits. Um, it's just such a true warrior, true um, champion for someone to to battle through that. He had a, what, seven centimetre abdomen tear, didn't he? Um, that, uh, seven, that's, seven, seven millimetre. Seven millimetre. Yeah, pronounced seven centimetre. Seven millimetre <laughs> abdomen tear that was uh, that came back in scans after the match. The reason he had to pull out and he literally yeah. couldn't serve. He was just, <laughs> he, it was ridiculous. And then he, st- he was still ripping these forehands and these backhands on the grass and Taylor Fritz couldn't, couldn't handle it. And the way he absolutely crushed him in that final set Tiebreak. I mean, I, I was at, I was actually at the cricket um, mm. when that mm. tiebreaker was on, but I had to have it. Uh, I had the game up on my phone and was and was watching this, and I couldn't believe what I was watching. I thought, uh, I mean, and then yeah, the way you had to pull out and Brits, who was on, you know, an eight-game winning streak heading into that on the grass, you know, um, one in Eastbourne the week before, and then you know, three to the quarterfinals at Wimbledon, which you know. Obviously, in hindsight, you know, we, um, if someone had told him that's what he would have got for this grass court season, he would have probably been pretty pretty happy with that. But, yeah, just under the circumstances and then how many chances you can have to beat Nadal, you know? Um, you already got him once in Indian Wales this year, but um, that would be one that you really want back and that he thinks, oh, I probably should have had that. I mean, he, he had a similar chance against Djokovic in the Australian Open, I think a year ago, a couple of years ago where it was injured Djokovic and Djokovic still won the match and had to pull out. Like, I, he, he is going to be, there's going to be sleepless nights from that. I feel like he should have won it. I know that's, that's a difficult one to say from the sideline when you're playing against Rafael Nadal, 22-time Grand Slam champion. I, 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 th- I think he had a brilliant tournament. As you say, um, you know, he, he was, if you, if you gave him the opportunity to take that at the start of it, I think he would have. But he could, he could be a Grand Slam finalist. On grass, which is, I think, is one of his best surfaces, actually. I mean, it's it's impressive coming back from the fact that he opened up this grass court season with two losses um, in the first rounds at Hot Hogenbosch and Queens, um, losing mm. to Tim and losing to Jack Draper, two players outside of the world's top hundred. So, yeah, quite a, quite a decent bounce back for him considering that, that poor start to the grass court season. Tim. Tim Van Rijthoven really impressed as well this week. This, yeah, uh, I think mean, he's this really fortnight. made made uh, made a name for himself this this grass court season. I, I think um, also just on on that note, a few people who really really impressed and did well. There's Tim Van Rijthoven. Um, I think also Botic as well. Botic Mate, I, that, as, I don't know that exact name as well. I, I think the entirety of the, the top of Dutch tennis has really really shown itself over the past year. Um, on 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 your point on Botic, I mean, he got to the semi-finals at Queens. He got to the fourth round at Wimbledon this year. Um, if you cast your mind back to Wimbledon last year, which which was his first Wimbledon, he was ranked 139 in the world and only got into the tournament as a lucky loser. 
he came into this year, and I remember you saying, I can't believe it, Botic is seeded 21st. I mean, it's, it's, no, um, he, he's literally snuck his way in there quietly, and you ask most people, they're like, who? Who's, who's that? Yeah, 21st seed. Like, he's just, he's done it so quietly and consistently throughout the last year, not having, like, crazy massive results. Like, I mean, semi-final at Queen's is massive, but, yeah, I, I think it's absolutely, I think it's been amazing. And I really enjoyed watching his game as well. Like he he had some really impressive wins, and he he, he was hitting the ball so cleanly and so hardy. Um, it was his game against Emil Rusevori um, in the second or third round um, that I remember watching this this tournament. And he he had actually lost to Rusevori in the first round at Hatogenbosch um, <laughs> at his home tournament. So that would have been a really disappointing result for him. But for him to to come back and absolutely batter him um, in the fashion that he did was was was, was really impressive. Another word on players who, you know, I think played out themselves or got a really good result. Jason Kubler. Jason Kubler, everyone. The Aussie. Australian, 29 years old, ranked 102 in the world. I'd known, I'd known who he was. I'd recognised his name, but I hadn't known any of his results or, or anything about him. I've, I'd seen him in a few, um, like, draws or whatever, but I, I, I literally knew nothing Nothing about him. He turned pro in 2011. He's 29 years old. You know, it's not like he's new to the scene. He's only got seven. Um, he only had seven tall wins before this. And he, and he, get, he gets, gets to the fourth round. I, I, I thought that was absolutely brilliant. And also, one thing I was going to come on to regarding that is the ranking points situation. So we take Tim. We take Jason Kubler. We even take Kyrgios as well into this. So if, if they did have ranking points, let's have a little look. Kyrgios would be around 1,200. So he'd be in about probably around 17th in the world right now instead of 43. You know, that, that, that's a massive, that is a massive difference. And if we have a look at um, Tim Van Rijthoven, got 180 points for the fourth round. Um, that's about 700 points. Yeah, so, he, so he'd be well within the top 100. He'd be about 75th ranked in the world. You know, start getting into um, bigger events, start making it. Um, I, I just think it's... I don't think it made a difference to the feel of the tournament for anyone, actually. Not I didn't even I didn't notice all. it, even as a, a big tennis fan. But I think for these sorts of players, that is a real kick in the teeth. I think especially Jason Kubler as well, because 180 points, I'd see him up to about... A career high 20 places above than where he was before and uh, it's 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 a shame but from a tennis fan point of view you know it's often seen as the like most important one i think when you play these massive tournaments and broadcast them all over the world um i don't think i don't think it impacted it at all to be honest no i i think i think that's the best and i think again that just that just shows that similar to we what we said in 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 uh, when the news came out, is the only players, people who can really lose out from this decision by the ATP is the players, um, and it's a yeah. shame. It's a shame because, um, yeah, there's so many people who could have benefited um, from uh, from a really good performance that they put in over the past couple of weeks. I think one person who you didn't quite touch on there, um, probably because of your personal content and, and utter hatred for him and all players I'm from not. that country. Yep, you guessed it. <laughs> I know, he's got it. a lovely backhand. <laughs> now, Cam Norrie had a ridiculous tournament. Yeah, mate, I think, you know, first ever semi-finals at a slam, having never 
got past the third round of a slam before is just ridiculous. And I thought he really gave it a good shot against Djokovic. No one had him doing anything against Djokovic and, and the way he, you know, he what he battled and got that first set and then yeah, Djokovic just, just, just was too good at the end of the day. But I mean, you know, plenty of quality wins for Cam Norrie. Brilliant win against Goffin in the quarterfinals. That was really that was, entertaining that was amazing. game. And another really good game was actually his second round game against um, Jean Mounard, um, where he was two sets to one down. And then he just turns through, wins the fourth set, six love, and wins the fifth set, six two. Sounds a bit similar to one of our usual matches we play. So <laughs> it was, um, no, I mean, emotional damage. <laughs> It was brilliant for Cam, and I think um, as a whole, I think it was brilliant for a lot of British players who got their chance in the in in the limelight. I think you know a lot of the times, you know, you have all these British wild cards, and you know everyone's like, oh, you know, great chance for them to to get a game, a bit similar to our friend Josh Goodall, but you know that they come along and, <laughs> and then they lose and they lose in the first round. Um, but there was lots of surprise performances. You know, you had um, Ryan Penniston win his first round match. You had Alistair Gray win his first round match. You know, someone yeah, who that was massive. People have not heard of at all, and and he gave Fritz a pretty good game uh, in 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 the second round. Also, uh, you had Paul Jubb give a really good account of himself in that first round, despite not winning. And then I think um, Liam Brody as well um, played brilliantly to win that second round match against Diego Schwartzman, your boy. Yeah. It was um yeah, by far and away the, the the best win of his career and and you know the response to that crowd and, and it's similar on, on, on the on the women's side as well. That that win on on centre court for Katie Bolter was just absolutely fantastic. The you know, the emotion and everything in that post match interview and and you could just see how much it meant to her to have that support and to have her family there and uh, I still don't understand why you don't enjoy watching British tennis players play because that for me is is one of the best things to see is to see them win at their home tournament at the home slam and, and get that reception from the crowd and, and even Cam Norrie um, you know you've a very mild-mannered uh, calm measured player to see him kind of you know come on get, in, get, get, get in the crowd involved was just uh, was brilliant it was, it, was, it was a new side of him and I think for for a lot of people um, who aren't super into tennis, they possibly wouldn't really know who Cam Norrie was, and you no, know, no. To, to, to the wider public. So again, he's definitely made a name for himself as uh, as something not I wouldn't call him a household name at this stage, but someone who is um, much more well known than he was um, prior to these two weeks. I I think now I think that's a massive massive thing for for Cam Norrie getting into the semis of Wimbledon because. Once you do that at your home slam, and especially Wimbledon, the most prestigious tournament in the world, a Brit getting into um, you know the semis there, that will have increased his, you know his his viewership, his image from from everyone. Like see, people saying his name to me, and, and like they would have not known who he was before this in in complete in complete you know, that's honesty. All, that's all Tim Henman did. He only you know, he obviously did it a couple more times, but you know his 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 best career achievement was semi final at Wimbledon, wasn't it? So. Um, you know, for, for Cam to already be at that stage. And, you know, I, I would not be surprised to see Cam keeping on improving because, you know, listening to interviews and stuff, people talked about where Cam was in his game a couple of years ago. And he obviously wasn't ready for the tour when he for, when he was younger, a uh, teenager. That's why he, he went to TCU and 
and got those years of collegiate tennis under his belt. And then even coming mm-hmm. out of that, people were thinking, um, you know, you know, what what's the ceiling for this man? You know, a lot of people didn't. I, I doubt anyone would have thought um, he would have oh. been a, a Grand Slam semi finalist. And and, and and you know, I think it's a testament to to how hard he works. Um, and, it, and and his work ethic and his drive and I think if you want to be successful in this sport that is those are two of the things that you really really need no Cam, Cam Norrie has just he's impressed so much for me I, I think you know because I've, I've I told you before I mean when I remember watching him play you know as like a British number I don't know three something like that a couple of years ago he was even a year year two years ago he was ranked like 60th and uh, 80th in the world you know, sort of, I don't know, like I, I didn't really think much of him. I didn't really enjoy his game style. I still don't, to be honest. Um, that brings, uh, that forms a lot, a big part of it for me, enjoyment in watching tennis, like game style, how they are as people. He seems like a really nice bloke. I think there was a point in his career when I was watching him and he had less career wins than he had losses. He had like, uh, I don't know, 55 losses, 55 wins and 60, 60 losses, something like that. And I was just like, oh, this guy's a bit budget, isn't he? Like, yeah, nah, like, I don't really think he'll do anything. And now, for him to have a career high ranking of ten, have a Masters title, got to the semi-finals of Wimbledon, I think it's absolutely amazing. And I think he might be a little bit hard done by with the fact that everyone brandishes him with um, like hard worker and all that stuff. But I think hard work is underrated, actually. And also, he he has immense talent as well. You know. You're not, you're not yeah, going to get I th- there. I think for me, watching his game, one thing he lacks is that that separates him from possibly those really top tier players. Is that is that sense of the raw power on his shot? I think he, he he does lack that. I think there are times where you think a different player, you know, like an Alcaraz or a Nadal, would have just absolutely ripped that ball and, and not given that man on the other side a chance of even reaching that. And there's just, I think, watching him against Djokovic. In that semi-final, it was just like, you know, obviously Cam's a brilliant player, but everything he was doing just wasn't as good as what Djokovic does. You know, it's just like, he was just like a bit of a budget version of Djokovic on the day in terms of the hustle and the power and the serve. And, um, um, but, you know, I, I, I still think he's got room to grow and improve still. So, I mean, I'm super excited to see what he has to do over the next couple of years. Um, so another thing I wanted to touch on with the points as well, I know I said that it didn't have a, didn't have an impact on the feel of the tournament, but one thing that it did have an impact on, not just the lower ranked players was the high ranked players, Novak Djokovic, just Wimbledon and he's been demoted to number seven. Absolutely crazy. He's just... Sounds stupid. Wimbledon. He's number seven in the world. He was number three going into it. He just won it. He's number, I, I actually, I, I cannot believe. I can't, I can't believe it. It's just nuts. No. So, so, so that means, like, I, I, it's crazy. So, Wimbledon final, Novak Djokovic gets his 28th straight win, his fourth straight Wimbledon title, his seventh overall Wimbledon title, and he now sits just one slam behind Rafa on 21 Grand Slams after defeating Nick Kyrgios in four sets. Um, this was while 
seemingly a bit of a foregone conclusion, still a quality tennis game with some very high quality tennis watched in a high quality fashion in oh, my yeah. garden, um, which was great. We were sat out, brought the TV outside. We um, got the barbecue roaring. Hector grilled Master 3000, grilled up some nice little burgers <laughs> for us. Um, and we just sat in the sun and watched the game and it was brilliant. It was it was a really, really enjoyable day, actually. I think everything involved, um, you know, the build-up. And I think it was one of the more highly anticipated Grand Slam finals in in recent recent times, you know, because just purely because of the unpredictability of Nick Kyrgios. I think as soon as I found out the result, as soon as I found out that um, Nadal had pulled out and I, when I was watching the match as well, looking, he was injured, I was thinking, okay, right, this doesn't look right. And I was a little bit disappointed. I was like, oh, damn it, like Kyrgios is in the final against Djokovic. Like, there we go, seventh title, done already. But then when, I don't know, when I sort of thought about it a little bit more, I got a little bit more excited because I felt at no point before, during the match that Kyrgios was ever going to win it, but I felt like, you know, he could have some fun and make it interesting, which well, I Kyrgios, think he did. Um, yeah, Kyrgios just fell into Novak's trap, didn't he, by winning oh, the first yeah. set. That's just classic, yeah. classic Djokovic, lose the first exactly set. Exactly come- <laughs> exactly where he wants him lose the first set come back to one of these yeah it's just you know he did that against Norrie did it against Sinner in the corners he just absolutely loves it it's a really difficult one you know because I, I thought um, you know Kyrgios came out all guns blazing and I thought he played a brilliant first set but Novak was well below par and then he just he just raised his game he kept calm the whole match I think he had one little outburst but it didn't for me there was there was, there was two points in the match where Kyrgios yep. lost it and it was two games the first one was in the second set when he was a breakdown and yeah. then he had a chance to break back he was love 40 on Djokovic's serve and then let that slip and proceedingly let let, let, let let the set go and then secondly in the third set when he was 40 love up yeah and then let that slide Djokovic got the break took the second set, took the third set for a two set to one lead. And once Djokovic was up two sets to one, at no point did I ever see Djok- um, did I ever see Kyrgios coming back to win that 3-2. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, and I think from, from having that break points slip in the second set, I, I don't, he, he never recovered from that, I don't think. And I think he, 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 let, that, he let that bleed into the rest of the match. You were and saying, weren't you? You were saying he, he, he's still thinking about that Love 40 game. No, yeah, I was. I was literally in the, in the whole second set, in, in the whole third set, he, he was still thinking about it. He was still thinking about it. He, he should have won that game against Djokovic and it could have gone to a tie break. You never know. But he didn't. And that's what Djokovic did. And it was amazing. Um, but yeah, he was, he was still thinking about it. He didn't let it go. And uh, that's... That's the fall down of Kyrgios, isn't it? When it comes to these matches, this is mentality, you know, because it's in these moments in Grand Slam finals, which I never thought he'd reach. Um, and there is an asterisk next to it because of Nadal, I feel. It's in these moments you just wish he cared a little bit more because it's a Grand Slam final. Like, come on, dude, if you can't care now, when when will you? But no, I, don't, I don't think that's, it's that's him. Kyrgios. I don't, know, I don't really agree with that. I don't think it's him not caring. You know, he obviously... I think he understood the enormity of the situation and I think the fact he was in his first slam definitely played a part on him and it was, you know, there was that point when he was 
complaining to the umpire about people shouting out, and he he, he said something along the lines of it's you know this is Wimbledon, this is the, this is this is the biggest match in sport. This is the women of finals, the biggest match in sport. And I I don't think you can accuse him of not caring um, about this match. I think he 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 really did want it, and um, I think he understood the you know the enormity of 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 this run he had made here and. You know, will we see a difference in Kyrgios moving forward? Will we see a difference in his attitude? Because you know, there are definitely times where it seems in in a previous tournaments where he doesn't care. And I mean, you know, look back to the last time he made it to a quarterfinal at Wimbledon. That was seven years ago, and he is still doing lots of the same things. But I think he kind of understands a bit more now what is needed for him to really reach the top of the game. And like you said. Um, he would be world seven number seventeen, and um, I think he was definitely at times, even in that final, playing like a player who's a top fifteen talent. So he definitely has the ability, and no one's ever doubted that. It's just whether he can use this now as something that can push him to really kind of guess knuckle down and 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 commit to becoming that top fifteen, top ten you know, possibly high because he is someone where you see certain players get to certain points in the rankings, be it top 20, top 15, and you think, you know, they're not really going to make it any further past this. But you look at Kyrgios and you look at his natural talent and you just feel, you know, this man has the capabilities to to, to, to really go to the top of the mat, top, top, top of the game. Exactly. I mean, this is a great stat that I stumbled across. So the current top eight of the ATP. Um, he has a winning head-to-head against five of them. He's never met Alcaraz, so he can't take that into account. He has 1-1 against Rude, and the only one he has a losing head-to-head is against Nadal, and he's still got three wins against him. Three wins, six losses. So he has a winning head-to-head against five of the t- current top eight in the world. It's not a lack of talent here. I think like you know the the like the best he has he has everything he has everything I, I think what is underrated are his volleys actually you know he's a he's a grand slam doubles champion special k uh, with kokonakis this year um but maybe it was a little blase maybe a little lazy of me saying that he doesn't care i i do think he cares i just i think he wants to do it his way and i think he'd prefer to be average in inverted commas and get to fourth rounds and third rounds and have fun and not try his hardest and not try and eke every um, ounce of greatness out of his game and just and just do what he wants, you know, and still get these results that he's happy with because I think he'd prefer to have fun and play his game than sacrifice everything he's got to try and make it to the top. That, that's yeah. how that's that's how I feel. Yeah, no, I can I can I can definitely see that as well. And then I, I I I'm just hoping that this result here is the the turning point in 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 effect that 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 makes him think you know there there are certain sacrifices I may need to start making if I really am going to continue this sort of thing. He might get the he might be getting the taste for it now, getting the taste he, of being a grand slam finalist. And you know, do you think you know he was saying? In that post-match interview, he was, he was clearly quite upset, and he was like, you know, he was, you know, joking around with Djokovic and whatnot. But he's saying, you know, I, I, I'm not sure I'll ever make it back to the stage again. And I actually wouldn't be surprised to see him back in a Grand Slam final. I think, I think I would. 
Honestly, I think I would. Um, at the start of this fortnight, I, I was speaking to um, to our good friend Thomas Michael Elson, TME, about it. And what I was saying about Kyrgios, I, I, I literally said, like, I just don't think he can win seven matches in a row at that level. Five sets, I just don't think he can do it. I was, what, he, he won five in a row, didn't he, get, to get to the final? And honestly, I, I, think that's, I think that's his limit. Because, you know, he's, he's won big tour events. He's won 500s. His ATP 500s is his highest level. He's what, what, won five matches in a row for that. That's over three sets as well. I think he can play his his spellbinding electric tennis over that number of hours on court and that number of opponents and that time that it takes to be concentrated. But I think after that point, he just loses concentration. He's he's that kid at school in the classroom that gets kicked out because he can't concentrate and that annoys everyone, but it's hilarious as well. Let's be honest. He is, mate. And he's like, it's so conflicting because I love him at the same time. He sometimes just really does my head in, and it's just it's such a such yeah. a polarizing figure. Yeah. Um, and you know, I know what you mean. You know, because it, it is as much about your actual physical tennis mat game as it is about your mental game. It's such a mental game, tennis, isn't it? And you know, you have to look at the draw at this at this tournament. It definitely wasn't the strongest field. Um, but then maybe possibly look forward to next month's Grand Slam at the US Open, and you know there's the possibility that um, Djokovic won't be there because of his Very vaccination status. There's a possibility that Nadal won't be there because of this injury. Federer's not going to play. You know that's you know when was the last time there was a Grand Slam and all three of the big three were not playing? Zverev won't be there. He'll be injured. You know Medvedev will be back. Um, and you know, you, you you think this draw is wide open, but in 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 a similar sense, that U.S. Open draw will be very wide open as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, Djokovic might not play at the Australian next year either. So the next chance he'll get to notch up on Nadal, Nadal might have played two slams by then. You never know what's going to happen. Who do you think's played more tournaments this year, Djokovic or Nadal? Oh, that's gonna be a trick question, isn't it? Uh, um, Djokovic. Yeah, Djokovic played eleven tournaments. Nadal's only played nine. So I mean, you know, obviously Nadal's been incredibly successful at, at these tournaments he's played this year. But it doesn't even feel like Djokovic has played eleven. He just has that dog in him, Nadal, doesn't he? he, he he's not going to give up, and I think it's just brilliant to watch. And um, but again, like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised to to see him not at. Uh, at the US Open this year. So, yeah, I, mean, I know you mean about Kyrgios, but I also feel like, you know, in this era that we're heading into, in a in a world without the big three, I mean, who knows how long it will be until when they're totally, because it just seems like Djokovic just keeps getting better, which is ridiculous. Oh, exactly. um, I mean... But at the same time, it's not like any of these other young next-gen up-and-coming players have really grasp the opportunity to 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 do anything so uh, yeah i know what you mean about Kyrgios and it's, it, it's not going to be every tournament that he makes a run like this but to say that he's not gonna make another run like this i think maybe a bit short-sighted enough i i feel he possibly, mm. possibly could make a run um yeah shall we move on to our day, Line Call Podcast, Day at Wimbledon. 
courtesy of of you, Hector. Thank you for buying these tickets, having them rolled over from the 2020 Sponsored. ballot. Sponsored podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsored by our own bank accounts. Yep, yep, yep. Courtesy effective, but I still had to pay for it. Um, oh, don't worry but, about it. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah, got, got it Got it in the ballot. What was it? Yeah, third round, Friday, court number two. And it was, um, I, I, I thought it was a great day to go um, in terms of the matches we got to see in terms of the balance between um, watching the singles games on court two, but then also being able to go around the grounds and, 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 and watch everything. So I think let's start uh, reflecting on our day from, from the start. So what happened? We met, we met Victoria 8am yep. for a spot of <laughs> breakfast. Um, went for a bit of Leon. That was, that, that, that was lovely. And then jumped <laughs> on the district line down to Southfields and walked from the station down to Wimbledon itself, and and we actually bumped into one of the ball boys um, en route. We did, didn't we? And um, we we were sat, we were sort of sat on the train, and we saw, I saw like, oh yeah, look at look at that sweet sweet merch he's got. I'm like, oh, he must be a ball boy. Should we? Uh, the Ralphies were pretty should we, fresh. Should we get an, an interview with him? Yeah, I believe I believe he gets it all for free. What he told us. Yeah, we 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 spoke to him a bit. He was. We is probably we will we won't include the interview. He was a bit uh unsure of what he was allowed to say. He, he was quite a nervous young boy, but um yeah, he was um he, you know, we asked him a few questions and he gave us some great insight on what it's like to be a ball boy at Wimbledon. And um for me what was most odd about it was that he didn't actually care about tennis. <laughs> he was yeah, just uh, yeah. he was just a local kid. And, know. you know, the opportunity to come up at school and he went, yeah, I might as well go for it. Clearly a sporty lad, but again, didn't yep. really care about tennis. He, he couldn't even remember who he, he was going for the day before. <laughs> it, was, it was quite funny. I know, he, he didn't, like he didn't really realise nice, he'd watched Nakashima nice set up a off on court 18. So, you know, <laughs> it doesn't seem like an opportunity wasted possibly, but, you know, he, he was obviously enjoying it. Um, and, um, yeah, that, that, was, that, that, that was interesting to, to, to chat to him. Yeah, a nice little insight actually. Um, but yes, yeah, so, like so they 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 do a lot of training for it actually. You know, I, I think months, he said you saying six months yeah, of training in the six months leading up to it. I think they do um, a couple a couple times a couple times a month or, or once a week. I think for, once a week uh, is that after school. That's the same going for a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah, and it was a couple um, of hours. So that's that's a lot. You know, it's child 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 labour Wimbledon. So just just be careful. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it was everything about the day was just brilliant, wasn't it? The weather was absolutely perfect. It did look at some points like just like in the first week there would be a drop of drop of rain, but luckily there wasn't. Um, yeah, we we queued up, we got in, we uh, cracked well, we, a couple of beers. We we got in um, the slight slight bending of the rules. Um, at, we did, didn't at, we? At, at the gate, getting through security, I think you were only allowed to bring in two cans of beer per, per person. person. Um, I went a bit covert. I, I I I hid I hid my my cans of beer and my four cans of uh, pre-mixed mojito in in the bag <laughs> and uh, managed just to to get that in. But then Hector, um, while your cool bag was extremely efficient throughout the day in terms of keeping our beverages nice and chilled, um, it was harder to hide. And it was. Um, but we you know we managed to. To, to use our gift of the gab, you know, our, our podcasting skills to, to, to chat to, to the security lady and, and tell her, yes, we were a party of six. That's why we had that many beers. 
Um, yes, we're not going to drink all of this alcohol just for went, us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go on. Um, I don't think she quite understood, but um, yeah, it did enable us to, to get a few more beers in, which definitely saved us um, some money on the day. As soon, as soon as I got in that queue, I tried to not get in her queue because I knew she was going through people's bags like that. And I was like, I was trying to go over to the left, but I couldn't quite Should've get there. Mine, I, was like, I, like, I, was, I was trying to, but then she was empty and I was standing there and no one else was going. So I was like, oh, okay, all right. Uh, but yeah, and then it was just a smile and wave boys moment when we walked away. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, some, some some poor steward, you know, with his uh, umbrella, that sort of thing. You know. Yeah, well, <laughs> let, let, moving on to that, I think well, yeah. before that, before that, it was actually we were, we went down to the practice courts. We got there, we got there proper early. We were there at half nine, queued up outside for half an hour before the gates opened oh, yeah. at ten. And then from, from about ten to half ten, we went down to the practice courts. And that was brilliant, getting to watch um, watch players knock up in front of us. And it was our first real taste of, of watching these players properly hit the balls and it was uh it was great we got to see so exciting uh, we got to see Bublik, we got to see um Basilashvili uh, Basilashvili uh Sock um sort of seeing her walking around yeah mm. it was great and then you know we we decided let's go have a walk around the museum before the game starts at 11 and um we walked past this bench and and, and you spot the Wimbledon <laughs> umbrella underneath and it looked like someone had just left it and I was, you know, I was like, oh, you know. It's in. When you luck's in, you got to go and just give it a go. So I gave yeah. it the old sit down on the bench, you know, pretend to your laces, reach down underneath and, and, and pick up it. And then we, I, I thought I was golden. I was, you know, we're walking down the steps and then all of a sudden we hear um, <laughs> the steward behind us Excuse and he goes, me. Excuse me, that's not your umbrella. He says, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I turn around, <laughs> sheepish oh, look on my face, and uh, that was and, a good start to the day. Handing back his umbrella, like a naughty schoolboy. We walked down the stairs. There was another geezer next to us. He was creasing. He just looked at us and busted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was um, a really good so, start to the yeah, day. Yeah, that was um, that was an exciting oh. start to the day. The the museum, um, your idea, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. it. Was it was lovely to see some of the history of of, of the tournament. Uh, and, and, it was and, brilliant. I didn't even know it existed. Yeah. I just I saw it. I um I saw it on like, just things to do like when you're there, and oh, it was just it was it was great, wasn't it? Like it was, I had no idea about you know, it really really delved deep back to all the way back in 1877, and you look at the shape of the the rackets and mm. and everything and, and the sponsorships and you see like a you know like the the lacoste the old lacoste outfits where the crocodile is about the size of your chest yeah and, i enjoyed um, looking back through the old outfits they had there that was um that, that was really interesting and I, I enjoyed that aspect of it um then 11 o'clock rolled round and, and we made our way down to court two um taking our seats and um, even with our seats, we absolutely lucked in. We were uh, right down the middle, um, in like you know, line of the center line, um, three rows back, and it was just um, unbelievable seats. We got a really great view. It was like we were watching it. It was a real like kind of sort of TV angle, but you you know you're right there, and a great lineup of matches. Um, first and foremost, it was it was Bublik versus Tiafo. Um, Did not disappoint. Let's. Um, what we'll do now is we'll, we'll head back in the time machine and we'll give you our true 
um, live reaction to the match. Um, one we recorded after the match sat next door to one of the outdoor courts. So, yeah, this is us um, after this match. So, enjoy. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Line Ball Podcast, episode 11, live from Wimbledon. Hector and I are sat outside one of the outdoor courts, Court 10, sat on a bench. A sort of vacant court 10 uh, post match after watching our first game on court two Alexander Bublik versus Francis Tiafo. And what a game it was! Hector, how is your day at Wimbledon going so far? It's going absolutely brilliant. I've got to be honest with you, this is another great week in tennis, and it was a very, very tight match. It was, it was four sets, it was two hours and 57 minutes, and Tiafo came out on top. It was two tie-break sets that he won. And, um, yeah, honestly, I was... As soon as we saw the order of play for this match, I was I was ridiculously excited. I was crossing my fingers to get this match on the court that we had, and it did not disappoint. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. It was a third-round match-up here. This is the first Friday of the tournament, so we're five days in now. This Tiafo Bublik game, which is great. It was great seeing Bublik and Tiafo live, two great characters of the tour. And, um, and and they lived up to the billing, really. Bublik started very brightly, and, you know, the question was, was Bublik going to be up for it today? And at first, he definitely looked like he was, but Tiafo was strong, and they, and they were both strong on serve. And... Two tie breaks and set two and three, which went the way of Tiafo, and I think it really did kind of, um, you know, Bublik struggled with those two tie break losses, and then I actually stepped out for the start of the four set. I went to go watch a bit of Ryan Pedersen Alistair Gray doubles over on court six. Hector, explain to me what happened after those two tie breaks. So after those two tie breaks, let's just set the scene. So, so. Francis Tiafo was two sets to one up. He just won two very tight sets on tie breaks. And we're thinking, this could go either way at this point. <coughs> He's up 3-1 in the third set. He's up in the third set. And Alexander Bublik is serving, basically to stay in the match, really. Um, and he starts chucking in a lot of underarm serves. And honestly, it was very, very awkward <laughs> as a viewer. He, it seemed like he was tanking, um, but all he needed was to just get a few good points. And he got those points. He got that, he got that hold, that hold of serve, and it was crucial because I, I honestly, I thought, I thought he'd lost it. I really thought he'd lost it. Um, but. There's there's one of two things you expect from a player like Alexander Bublik. You either either expect results or you expect magic. And he wasn't providing either at that point. That's why it was awkward. And everyone could feel it in the in the stadium. Everyone could feel it. No one was cheering for him. It was like, come on, mate. Come on, mate. We want we either want to watch good tennis or Yeah, it was it was a little bit awkward. But he brought that magic. He it was he was a break point down. He'd just done an underarm serve that hit the net, and then he hit a shot that was around 125 miles an hour, a serve. It was called out. He challenged it. It was in. 
that was a turning point. That was a big, big turning point. If he didn't do that, it would have been game over. It would have been game over straight away. But um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, ele- it was electrifying. It was a brilliant last set, actually, because I was out on the outdoor courts looking at the scoreboards up on the up, up on the edge of centre court there. Brilliant. It's absolutely beautiful. It's my first day here at Wimbledon, and the grounds are just absolutely stunning. Like centre court itself is just fantastic, and they've got these scoreboards everywhere. So I saw, you know, we both just kind of thought. Oh, this, this could be it for public because it was, you know, three pretty lengthy sets to start the match, and then I was like, oh, this could be a long one. But then after we lost that, set, that third set tiebreak, um, we kind of thought, yeah, that's it's probably going to be it. I mean, so our, I think both of our conclusion before we even started watching the match, I think we both felt. I don't know. I'm, I'm talking myself here, but I felt like um, I felt like Tiafo was going to take it because he's more consistent of the two. I said before, it's either going to be an absolute dud and it's going to be a whitewash for Tiafo because Vera, no, it's Vera because Bublik won't turn up, or it's going to be a great match, which it was, but it faded towards the end. He finished the match with a double fault, and I'm not surprised. No, all in all, it was a brilliant match. There was loads of cracking shots and brilliant rallies throughout, and it was just an absolute joy and, and we've definitely locked in with the seats that we've got I oh. mean court two you know any seats you get are good but we're three rows back behind the baseline right in the centre and it's, it's absolutely brilliant it's like you're watching on TV but uh, a thousand times better it, it, it's fantastic and yeah that was a great game we were very lucky to watch that and, and, and see how that unfolded at this stage what is it half past two in the afternoon we've been out since I left the house at quarter past seven this morning, so I'm very keen for some lunch. Both of us got a little nice little lunch pack, so we're gonna go walk over to um, Penison Perch, Penison Perch, or uh, as some of us call it, uh, Draper Dunes, but you know, or uh, Radu Canu Ridge, as Toby coined it, <laughs> or Murray Mount. I don't know, that, that's for losers, though, isn't it? You know, that's that's old school. Henman Hill, who's that? Who, who? sorry, who that? Who that? Who that? Who that? Uh, we're uh, we're also uh, a couple beers deep, you know, a couple beers, a couple mojitos deep. We're having we're having a we're having a bloody great time. I quite I quite like Penison Perch. That was Penison Perch. That, that was my I, favorite. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and that was great. Uh, that was absolutely banged out, and um, we got to see Heather Watson in action on the big screen while we um, ate our packed lunch, um, and, and 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 that was quality. Um, then we head back to court two to watch some of the uh, Maria Sakari against Tatiana Maria match, um, which was actually quite a big upset, wasn't it? Oh, it was, it was a massive upset. Mm. It was a massive upset. And I think what was really impressive that Tatiana Maria backed up those results and um, got to the got to the semi-finals, only losing out to um, Jabir. And you weren't the biggest fan of Tatiana Maria's game style, were you? The slice, slice and dicer. Absolutely not here. Listening to our reactions from the day. Yeah. Slice her up like a bit of Greek Savlaki, if you will. And the clock has just gone past four o'clock and we have reached the end of our second match of the day. Maria Sakari, world number five against world number 104, Tatiana Maria of Germany. Who has come up with the big upset, straight set, 6-3-7-5. And uh, for me, it was a bit of a frustrating game to watch. Obviously, I'm always a fan of the underdog, but 
I did not enjoy watching Tatiana Maria win that game, if I'm honest. Hector, what were your thoughts? Let's say Toby's always a fan of the underdog, but not always a fan of the underspin. <laughs> he he likes the uh, he likes he likes players going for it with a bit of top spin, but a bit of slice. He's, he's not a fan of the slice. He is not a fan of the slice. No, don't get me wrong. I love the slice here and there, but if the only shot you've got is a fucking slice shot, are you a sixty-year-old man? No, you're not. Maybe mother mother of two. All the respect to you there. You know, come back. This is the first you ever got in a slam in your life. But how about hit a top spin for one shot, for once? Mate, if the world number five can't beat a sixty-year-old man, should she be in the fourth round of Wimbledon? Probably not. I mean, Zachary looked pretty pissed that she left the court today. I she mean, was, she left straight away. She was, she was T dot rigged. She was triggered. I mean, yeah. I would be. Yeah, I mean, so would I. Uh, in all fairness, we did not see the first set after the. First match, Bublik versus Tiafu. We pieced the scene out of court two, had a little wander around, ended up on um, Penison Perch. Penison Perch on Radicardi Ridge and saw the end of the Heather Watson game. Draper Dunes. Draper Dunes, okay. Any of the above. And enjoyed watching Heather Watson win on the big screen. It's a brilliant atmosphere, actually, down there. It's my first time on the hill and it was brilliant. Everyone just sat there eating their lunch, watching the, watching the game. And, um, Big congratulations to Heather Watson getting through. But uh, come back, it's 3 0 to Maria Sakkari in the second set. And I, you know, I go in there thinking, oh, here we go. She's, you know, fair enough. You know, you get a set off Maria Sakkari for Tatiana Maria, but I can't see you going on to win the game. Sakkari goes 5 2 up. Then all of a sudden, five games later, it's game over. No, I was really surprised because. Both the matches she, she played before this were done within an hour and 20 minutes. Straight sets, easy life. And, yeah, I'm, honestly, I'm really, really impressed from, from Tatiana Maria there. It was it was really lovely scenes at the end. When we, when we heard her in the post-match interview on court, you know, she said, I'm just really excited to go see my kids in the crash after this. That was, that was really, really wholesome. No, as much as I disliked her slice, it was a very wholesome moment and it was lovely to see... Now that, that is the beauty of the post-match interview, is it, to see the true emotion, like, props to, props to Tatiana uh, Maria for winning that game. I did not think she was going to win. I thought Maria Sacri would have won quite easily in straight sets. I think when you get to see the post-match interview, it's so raw, it's so soon after the match, you get to see behind the curtain of all that, you know, that, that facade that they've been holding up the whole match. For example, when we watched Tiafo earlier... He was silent for the whole match. All I heard him say was, yes, please, to the ball boys. The whole match. He, he showed some, you know, some signs of, you know, frustration in body language. But actual speaking, you know, the second time I heard him speak was during the post-match interview on, on the court. And I think, I know you were frustrated by the slice today, Toby. But it was, for me, it's a, it's a genuine... It's a genuine strategy because she was slicing and Maria, Maria Sakkari, sorry, the world number five, couldn't deal with it. it. It scrambled her brain. She was up, she started slicing, she started messing with her, and that was what got her the win. No, I, do, I mean, I do agree. I mean, as much as it's a frustrating strategy, you would think the world number five would be able to come up with a solution within two sets. Honestly, but... I, I agree with you. Like, I agree. I want to see satisfying to watch tennis for me it's it's more of like an all-encompassing thing with enjoying watching people play tennis it's not about it's about everything it's about them as a person 
as their style of play, their, their, their We're story. just watching Isner and Sinner actually walk to the court there on court next. Very excited for that, man. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, they're literally just walking past now. Isner is a big lad. He's a big boy. 6'10", yeah, that's, that's not small, is it? No, he's... He's, he's not small. I think. He's no, I think they, they they go around the side. They will. We, we won't see him again. Down in there. Yeah. Mm. But he's a big boy. He is a big boy. I'm really interested to see how this is going to turn out. Actually, um, predictions. Predictions. Um, so for me, obviously, big Murray fan. Always happy and always will be. I thought he would do Isner in. Obviously, he had the eight and zero record. I thought so as well. I thought so as well. He had the eight and zero record over Isner heading into that game. First meeting on grass, of course, but. I thought he would do him in, but Isner just was consistent. After that first set, he served very well. Isner obviously has his main weapon, but I was thinking, you know, that's probably it. Now it's time for Murray to come back. But Isner served really well throughout. 37 aces on the match. It's truly, truly very impressive. He's, what, how many, four aces away from the record? He's four aces away from the um, all-time record of most aces served. So he's four aces away of overtaking Ivo Karlovic. Which is absolutely insane. 36 years of age now, so... You know, all props Wisner and then Sinner, young man, 20 hungry. years, hungry, 20 years of age, um, you know, a very exciting talent, probably partially overshadowed by our guy Carl Zalgrens, who is coming on court against Oscar Otter on court one later on, it's a real shame, in the build-up to this, we were kind of thinking like, because we were looking on Wednesday, and we are kind of thinking, oh shit, you know, who's going to win, who are we going to see on Friday, and I thought Sinner was going to lose to um, Vavrinka in the first round, honestly. Yeah, well, you do love, you absolutely love he's, Stan. He's, he's my favourite player. He is. He is. Hands oh, you, down. you got that T-shirt, that's pretty faded. I, I've got two T-shirts, mate. Two T-shirts. Two, two, two T-shirts. T-T-S, two T-shirts. T- two um, but for me, it was actually a real shame. Not real shame, but like obviously I, would, I was really backing Emma and Andy to come through those games and send to court. But actually, also doubly so, if they had come through those games and, and would have been playing today... That would have bumped certain games down here onto court two. And yeah. without a shadow of a doubt, Carlos Alcaraz would have been bumped down against Oscar Rosa here onto court well, two. He's in court one now, isn't he? He is court one now. Don't, 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 don't do this to me, Toby. Don't do this to oh, me. Oh, no, to me too, mate. You know how I much I would fucking to love see to see CA. Although, let's be honest, he's a young lad. It's not like Nadal or Djokovic. We don't know if... I've seen Djokovic live, but Nadal... I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to see Federer live, let's be honest. Um, Nadal... I don't know if I'm going to get to see him. French Open was probably my chance. Well, that's the thing, mate. It's like, he's at this point in his career where he, he, he's literally budding Alcaraz. He's, he's, he's on the cusp of being a great. And do you think, realistically, he's ever going to fucking be, he's ever going to feature on court two again after this year? No, because he's already fifth seed in the tournament and he's on court two this year. And it's just like... In the future, he's going to be one of the big headline performances, and I can't see him being on court two again, so it would have really been a real treat for us to be able to see him this year. Mate, look. Look at the trajectory. Last year, got court three tickets. This year, court two. Next year, court one. Don't worry about it. And then now will be on centre. Oh, don't worry about it. How much don't we worry about it? Yeah, and maybe when Emma's a bit washed up, she'll be on court one. So, yeah, we'll see her then. But yeah. no, actually, WB, no. washed up British player. No, that's not true. I don't think she will. I've got all the confidence in Emma Anacardi. I'm a big... She just needs time. She does She's need time. Made, as she said in her post-match press conference after the first, after a loss, I... She just needs time. She's 19 years old. Give her a bloody break. Absolutely. I am 100% in agreement with you there. And you just... You have to have some respect for her. She's gone on one a major... 
She's only 19 years of age. She's, she's not played at every tournament yet. There are so many of these big tournaments she's never even played at. So how can you go around saying anything other than the fact that we have to give her time? It's going to take one, two, three years. Think about the number of women on the WTA Tour who go and win a major, and then it takes them a little while to kind of get into it. I'm thinking sort of uh, Manson Keys, or I'm thinking B uh, Bianca Andrescu, the Canadian. Also, if you think about her run at the US Open... She faced one seeded player at the every at every other run. Not a single top ten player. Yeah, exactly. Not a single top ten player. She oh, faced the eleventh seed. Yeah. Benchich. Benchich. Yeah. Leila Fernandez in the final. I mean, yeah. You, you know. You know, it's it's not a fluke. No one says it's a fluke. No, no. I'm, I'm not saying it's a fluke. I'm just saying, just give give her some time. She's nineteen. Think about when people retire these days. Remind me how old uh, Serena Williams is. 40 or 41. I, I would say pushing 40 at least. Yeah, 40 at least. She is 40 years old. And another take. She is 41 years old. Yeah. Um, she's got plenty of time. Look, yeah. she's a slam champion. Okay. I'm excited to see what the rest of her career holds. Just, just give her some bloody time. Absolutely. And then looking forward to today. Um, final game here on court two. John Isner against... Yannick Sinner, the number 10 seed. Hector, can I ask your predictions? Sinner. Sinner in four. Sinner. I am in the same boat. I think if Sinner doesn't... Sorry, if Isner does not get his serving game together, for me, I can see Sinner in three. Um, but at the same time, we will not be surprised to see Isner take the win today. So. No, that's the thing. It's a really difficult one. If he's, if he's serving well and Sinner... I think it's a weakness of Sinner's. If Isner is serving well and Sinner doesn't feel like, I don't know, it's going his way, it can sort of slip out of his hands. I don't know, it's, it's really difficult. He's a he's a, um, he's a bit of a conundrum when it comes to prediction, Sinner. He hasn't had a great grass court season. Um, You're a big fan. I, I, like, I like Sinner. I do like him. But I don't know what his ceiling is. We were chatting about this earlier this morning when we were having breakfast. I don't know what his ceiling is. As you said, he's overshadowed by Alvarez. He's the same age bracket. And when Sinner started coming up, everyone got so excited. We got all so excited, you know, when he got into the final in Miami against um, against her catch last year. I thought he was going to have it. I thought, you know, he's he's the next big one. But the difference between him and Alvarez is when Sinner got into the top ten after that um, after that Miami win, he you know he capitulated. He stayed at nine and he went back down. Alvarez. He's a different beast. Up to number six straight away. One more tournament goes to top ten after Barcelona. Madrid wins it top six. That's I the mean, difference. I mean, you know, I definitely see him winning titles within his career. But do you see Sinner winning a slam? Um, the thing is, with slams, anything can happen. We look at the Australian Open. Djokovic deported. We look at French Opens before the main contender Nadal injured. Not a lot. He's won fourteen. He's an absolute beast, but anything can happen. Also, let's think about it. Four years ago, who was Alcaraz? Who is Alcaraz? We didn't know this absolute beast was going to come into the game and disrupt our world. We didn't know that. We still don't know that now. There might be a 14-year-old out there today, just about to win his first match on the tour at 15 years old against a former world number one. They might be there. We do not know. That's what's so exciting about tennis because it's all about individuals. On a more casual note, so we're walking back from um, Paniston Patch. 
and um, you know we're quite keen to get back to see the second set of this Zachary Maria game. And Hector's in such a rush because you know new to London, Hector is um, a sporting boy, a countryside boy. He's boy who's grown up in the sticks, and now he's living in London. He thinks he's a big man walking around the crowd. Yeah, London. Yeah, London. London, and he's dipping and diving, and then all of a sudden he he, he cuts in front of this man in uh, official Wimbledon attire, and he doesn't even give it a second thought because you know London, you know first there, you got me first, don't worry about anyone else, and then you know Selfish. I, I'm I'm trying to catch up with the kid, and I I, I, I look to my left and it's it's bloody Casper Root, he's got a cut of Casper Root, he doesn't even give him the second thought. I mean. You know, Casper's probably disappointed off his loss in the singles the other day. I'm not actually sure how he got in the doubles today because I'm assuming that's where he was coming back from. So, you know, uh, I, I, I turned around to Casper. Casper, how's it going, mate? It gives me a look. No, no, the Norwegian nightmare. No, Norwegian nightmare. It gives me a look. And I, uh, I, 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 I walk off. But, uh, yeah, that was probably the biggest um, tennis player forward slash tennis celebrity we've we've encountered today, what would you say? 100%. I mean, I caught a glimpse of uh, AG and uh, RP, Rypen. Alistair yeah. Gray and Rypen after their loss. We, yeah, you walked, they walked past you. Mm. I, I got to see a bit of their disappointing loss of them, but... Um, There's close. Three and a half hours for a doubles match. That is long. Yeah, but both of them are not complaining. Just... They'll walk around with... They'll 90k away, prize money. They'll walk away with a neat 90 to 100k for the week, so yeah, really can't complain with that. They'll take it. Like when when we had our um, our podcast with Josh Goodall, by the way, Josh, I was really disappointed that I couldn't join in with that. But at the same time, I really really enjoyed listening to it as a as a podcast fan. Um, it, honestly, it was really interesting hearing you say about the time when you um, you know you were serving for the for the match for the title, and you thought about the prize money. This ninety k prize money, how long is that going to sustain them? A long, a long, long time. Definitely, definitely. But we're going to go get another beer, uh, and we're going to go tune in to this Isner Cinema match, and hopefully it's going to be an absolute cracker. We're looking forward to another great afternoon in tennis. A great afternoon in tennis, guys. Cheers. And then oh. to finish the day. Bear in mind that second one there was a few beers deep, so do excuse us. Um, yeah, we we we'd had a few. We'd had a few. Um, you know, at this point in the day, it was um the third match, and it was your one 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 of your boys. I would say Yannick Sinner against Yannick John Sinner. Isner. Um, and that was a very entertaining game as well. It was um. I really enjoyed watching Yannick Sinner's game. It was just so consistent and yeah. uh, really, I think, really quite difficult to break down. And it was quite interesting, actually, for me, watching John Isner serve, something he's so well known for. But actually, he wasn't even serving anywhere near as quick as either uh, Francis Tiafo or Bublik. I mean, I think my favourite bit of the day was watching Bublik just smash down those 135 mile an hour second serves. He just didn't oh, care. He- Disrespect the disrespect. Yeah, and you know, I didn't realize Tiafa could serve so quickly as well. He was absolutely absolutely bombing him down as well for someone mm. of his of his height and stature. I mean, um, yeah, I didn't realize having a, such a big ass can make you serve so fast. So yeah, I very. Mean, he 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 is. Um, he does have a large bum. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, but yeah, this game was good. We we didn't get a chance to record a, a post-match recap of this as we I had to head off after the second set, uh, which is probably a good thing as as the third set was a bit, bit of a formality, really. Sinner had just ground his down by that point. But um Yeah. It was um I I, I was off to Lords later on, so I, I had to make the trip across it. And yeah, the district line just sucks. It really is a horrible, horrible <laughs> tube line. It, it took me so long to get across from Wimbledon to to um to Lords, but it was um it was nothing short of a brilliant day and my only regret is that we never got any strawberries and cream. We yeah, we, we didn't. We, we just forgot we to go and buy we? strawberries we, and cream. We, in, in our excitement, we forgot to. Didn't even get any pims either. Were we even there? Yeah, That's I mean, question. I'm not a big pims guy myself, but yeah. <laughs> have you actually gone to Wimbledon and you've not had your pims and your, uh, your strawberries and cream? I was really important strawberries and cream as well, so yeah. And in the queue, we were told that you could get free strawberries and cream if you had a Barclay card. HSBC. Was it HSBC? Yeah. yeah. She had an HSBC card. So, I mean, I was going to ask someone, can I, can I borrow that for a moment? You yeah, just I'm give sure it, give it, give it a you their bank card, yeah. Yeah, sweet, perfect. <laughs> just, just, I'm just an innocent young boy looking to get some strawberries and cream. I think that probably classifies as free if you get someone to give you their card and pay for it on that card. Oh, yeah, I think that yes, classifies as free. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, that's probably a hack I'll, I'll start um, using, you know, moving forward, actually. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely free for me. Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, boom. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Cheers. Oh God, yeah. That no, was um, it was an absolutely brilliant day. I mean, I I actually I went and had a little walk around the grounds as well. Actually, after you left, um, I I I didn't want to watch the rest of um, yeah, as you say, a formality. Sinner just finishing off Isna really in that last set. There was no, there was no way it was coming back. It was just really really fun day, and I would definitely recommend it for anyone who's not gone before. It was my first time at the championships so yeah i mean even for a non-tennis fan it would, it would be a cracking day out we'll be entering the ballot next year that, that's for sure Andy, no doubt Andy, no doubt that also for for people looking to enter um the the ballot if you just sign up with um if you sign up to the all england club wimbledon they'll they'll send you emails for when 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 it comes out because i think it's a little bit something that confuses the public a little and when it comes around to it, you, you needed to have done it, you know, nine months ago. So if you just, you know, sign, sign up online and then you, you, you'll get the chance to get the tickets like, like we did. Um, and it'd definitely be 100% worth it. And a lot of the time, um, when, when I was outside uh, waiting to get back into the, um, into the court um, during breaks, there was, yeah, it was a school trip there as well, actually. Um, you know, and, and a lot of schools get subsidized uh, free, free tickets to go and there was a big group of you know 10 kids and they were having the best time they didn't really know what was going on like they didn't know the players but um yeah they, they were having a brilliant time so you know if you've, if, if you've got kids then um that'd be a good one to to sign them up to because it's a, it's a it's a great it's a great day out. it's a great experience and i, I never did that in school but I, I know i would have loved it absolutely mate well i think let's wrap it up there um yeah as you alluded to at the top of the show, another two great weeks in tennis. Oh, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing what the hardcore swing has coming up forward. Oh, can't best, wait. Best of luck to Andy Murray at Newport this week, the final grass court event of 2022. 
I always find that funny. <laughs> They've got one straight after. And then yeah. the little mini clay court swing as well. Like, yeah, I know. Well, it's Sweden, isn't it? It's what you think. What is going on? So, um, yeah. No, mate. Enjoy the rest of your week. And I'll chat to you soon. Yeah, that was... Yeah, it was really, really enjoyable, mate. Really great. Great first Wimbledon together. M- m- many to come. Yeah. All right. Cheers, guys. See ya. Cheers. Bye-bye.